to talk to you today about this thought. Now, this is a bonus week of the I Will series that we've been doing all, all month long. This is week seven of I Will, and I want you to title it this, I Will Not Be Canceled. I will not be canceled. And here's why. Because there's there's this culture that is happening in our society today called cancel culture. Has anybody heard of cancel culture? Anybody know what cancel culture is? Throw your hand up if you know what it is, right? All right, so about the same amount, about half and half. That's how it was first service. Cancel culture is this culture in society. Now, I know some of you are like, we're going to talk about this? This is political. I'm not going political. I'm not going any of that. Cancel culture is this. Cancel culture is if I don't agree with you, and I don't like the stand that you take, I will find things that you have said and done, and I will blast you for it, and I will cancel you. I will make sure that your influence cannot be influential anywhere, and I will make sure that everybody knows everything you've done. Like, we, there's literally football players that are playing, you know, in the Super Bowl even, but playing football and things they said when they were 15 years old has been talked about, about how they should not be playing football because of what they said when they were 15. I don't know about you. I said a lot of dumb things when I was 15. I said a lot of dumb things when I was 25. I said a lot of dumb things when I was 35. And I ain't but 37 right now. I know, I know, y'all like, he looks like he's 20. Thank you, love you, you're awesome. <laughs> right? Because what the goal is, is to cancel your influence because you don't agree with me. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. That is not exempt from the church. I see it in Christians as much as I do non-Christians. I see it in people that call Jesus Lord as much as I see it in people that don't. I see it within the walls of the church as much as I see it outside of the walls of the church. We just call it prayer requests. You with me today? Yeah, I'm getting your attention now. And the truth is, is I want to talk to you about cancel culture because here's the truth, and I'm going to get right to the heart of it all right now. God does not cancel you. God has not canceled you. God will not cancel you. You are not canceled under God. We may choose not to walk in his redemption, but he hasn't canceled us. Because I've done things in my life I'm ashamed of, man. Said things, thought things. There are things that have happened up here you don't want to know about. Y'all are like, and you're preaching to me? Yes. Because you have too. There's things we've said, there's things we've done, and I am grateful that I live not in a culture that wants to cancel people, but I live in a kingdom that wants to redeem people. I live, yeah, yeah come on, let's put our hands together for that. That's right. We're not, a, we're not at a funeral where you got to, we, we're celebrating today. We live in a kingdom that wants to redeem people. We live in a kingdom that wants to change people. We live in a kingdom that wants to bring people back to life, not bring people to death, not cancel people, not dig up old comments, not dig up mistakes and frustrations and hurts. Now, hear me, cancel, what I'm talking about today, redemption is not an excuse to do whatever we want to do in life. Pastor Travis preached one of the best messages Probably the best message I've ever heard on dis discipline and discipleship just a few weeks ago right here on this stage. And I, we're honored to have him as our executive pastor. We're honored to have him teach and lead and, and help us. We're honored to have Pastor Chris and Radiate Worship here that do this stuff. But Pastor Travis taught a message on discipline that was so phenomenal. He made this statement. I think it was the first point that you had. And it was this. We don't get to choose things. God and the Bible has the final say. God and the Bible has final say. So, like, if the Bible says this is wrong or this is right, guess what? I don't get to go, hey, God, I don't like that. 
Because he didn't ask my opinion for it to begin with. I just get to go, all right, I'm either going to follow it or I'm not. I'm grateful I live in a culture or a kingdom that redeems people. I'm grateful, watch this, that throughout the Bible, I get to see examples of people that messed up big time. But still got to see amazing things happen in their life. Anybody in here ever messed up big time? You know what I'm saying? Like the rest, some of you are like, no, nah, not me, I'm perfect. I'll get your autograph later. I have, I have before I was a pastor, I have since I've been a pastor, and I will after I'm a pastor when I'm 95 years old and I retire from this church one day. 95, why was that funny, Hannah? Why was it funny that I would retire at 95? Please, please let's talk about this afterwards. Campus Director John, we need to have a meeting right afterwards, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I love you, Hannah. It's just going to happen. Mistakes take place in life. Watch this. In Genesis chapter 9, we hear about a man named Moses. Moses is famous. You know what Moses is famous for? Even if you have an elementary understanding of the Bible, you've probably heard the story of the Israelites coming out of the slavery of the Egyptians and going through the wilderness, right? And then Moses is the one that leads them out of slavery. And Moses leads them through the wilderness and all this stuff's taking place, right? All these things are happening. And Moses raises up this guy named Joshua who then leads them into a place called what? Jericho. Jericho. No, it's fine. It's fine. Y'all didn't say anything when I asked you if you're middle school or high schooler, so that's all okay. So we <laughs> Moses leads them and raises up somebody to take them into the promised land. Watch this, though. What we don't know about Moses or we don't talk about about Moses is when he got drunk in the tent and his sons found him in there naked. And they had to cover him up out of shame. I don't know about you, but that'd be one of my worst nightmares. Figuratively and literally. We don't talk about that, right? Moses is famous for leading them out of the slavery of the Egyptians. But we don't hear a lot about him being a drunk in a tent, naked, and his sons have to cover him up for shame. He messes up, but he also sees a miracle. God uses him to do something great while he uses himself to do something stupid. Then, if you go in, like 2 Samuel chapter 11, I love David. I love the story of David. I love David. Like, they write business books on the biblical story of David. They're like, you're David, and they're the giant, and they're Goliath. Woo! Like, I love David. David's this dude. He kills a lion, and he kills a bear, and then he kills a giant, and he looks at him and goes, oh, my! And that's, that's David, right? And then he becomes a king. Then he sleeps with his best friend's wife and gets her pregnant. While he's supposed to be fighting. And then he kills the woman's husband because she gets pregnant and he's trying to hide it. No, this isn't the days of our lives. It's the Bible. But David was still called after that. A man after what? God's own heart. How in the world can you be a man after God's own heart and you're doing that junk? What in the world? And then, dude... We, we can go over into the New Testament. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible. The, the disciples, right? Twelve guys hung out with Jesus. Can I just be real honest? Those dudes were a wreck. Those dudes were a mess. Like, I could tell you things that they did. Like, but the reality is, in order to be a disciple of a rabbi or a teacher, spiritual teacher, you had to apply and you had to know certain things. And if you didn't know certain things, you weren't allowed to be a disciple of those people. And you know what they would look at you and say? This was the tradition, customary 
way that they rejected you. They'd look at you and say, go and continue your family trade. In other words, you ain't holy enough. You're not passing seminary. You don't know theology. You ain't getting a mic or a stage or a, or a worship team. You ain't getting none of that because you don't know enough. You know what they were doing when Jesus found all the disciples? Their family trade. In other words, they had been rejected from every other biblical scholar. But Jesus, there's way more to it, biblical, but I'm just giving you the watered-down version today. Jesus looks at them and goes, hey, I know you didn't make it for them. But you know what would happen if they were approved to be the disciple? He, they had this customary saying. Everything was customary and traditional at that time. You know what they'd say? Come, follow me. What did Jesus look at the disciples and say? Come, follow me. In other words, he goes, I know you didn't make it for them. I know you're a mess up and a screw up and you're following your family trade. You didn't, you didn't graduate seminary. You didn't walk out. You don't know this and you don't know that. I understand that, but come and follow me. There's examples all throughout the Bible of people that were mess ups and that were, should have been canceled, if we're going to be honest. Never should have gotten a platform. Never should have done anything. But the disciples, not only did they go and follow Jesus, but they got to see blind eyes open. They got to see lame man stand up and carry his mat away. They got to see 5,000 plus people that were, that were fed with fish and bread out of a new kids on the block lunchbox. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about there? If you didn't have that, your, your childhood, we need to talk. Like, I'm just saying that they got to see great things even if they did stupid things. Cancel culture is nothing but a bullying tactic to create some, something where somebody has to agree with us. A reason people, and come on, I'm talking in, in general terms, but God doesn't cancel us. Watch this. Our past can teach us lessons, but it doesn't have to define our futures. Can, can, last night, you can just leave that up for a minute. Last night, my wife and I went on a date. We went to a restaurant downtown, phenomenal time. Like, I looked across the table. I was tired. Like, I, I usually don't do anything on Saturday nights. It's normally like I just sit around and watch TV and relax and think on the message, and that's about it because Sundays are pretty taxing. And so I'm, and we went on a date, and man, it was phenomenal. It was great. I look across the table. I'm like, man, she's smoking. It's amazing. She's with me. I don't know why. We're talking, right? And she go, we started talking about something, some things that happened in the past two to three years of our life. Like, we kind of got deep for a minute. Y'all, I don't like those conversations. I like to kind of wade in the kiddie pool a little bit of conversations, especially when I'm tired. She goes, we've grown so much. Like, here's how you've changed in two years. And I'm like, hold up. First of all, I ain't the only one that's changed in this relationship that had to, okay? Now, we get in this conversation. She's talking about maturity and growth. And then, you know what we traced it back to? Some things that happened in our lives for the past two to three years. And we learned stuff. We had a choice. And you got a choice from your past. We can learn lessons from our past, or we can let it define our future. That's it. And I've chosen, and I didn't even do it sometimes consciously. Sometimes it was just like, I ain't dwelling on this anymore, so I'm going to walk forward, and I'm going to learn. 
We can learn lessons from our past, but it doesn't have to define our future. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, I, I love this scripture. It says this, there is there, uh, therefore there is now, somebody say now. now. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now, there is therefore now, now, like right now, like in this month, like February 7th, 2021 at 11:47 a.m. I'm just here to take there is now no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. What is condemnation? It is wearing the guilt and the shame of the mistakes that you've made. I'm here to tell you, if we're in Christ Jesus, he wrote the bill. I mean, he paid for the bill. He signed his name on the check. You don't have to carry the shame. You don't have to carry the guilt. It's over. It's finished. No condemnation is yours today. Now, today is your day to wipe clean and walk away from the guilt and the shame and the frustration you've ever felt in your life from your past. You don't have to carry it. It's over wherever you are today. I just need you to know in your living room as you're eating your fruity pebbles with marshmallows in them, you just need to know right now there is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. I love that. Romans chapter 8 in verse 1, there is no condemnation. Or let me put it this way, there is no cancel. You have not been canceled. You will not be canceled. You will never be canceled. Let me, let me give you an example of a guy, one of the disciples. We're going to go fast, so you, you may want to write these down. We'll put these scriptures out this week, too, on social media. But, but here's a, let me give you an example of a guy named Peter. Peter, crazy, y'all. Peter was a crazy disciple. Peter, somebody came at Jesus, and instead of him going, Hey, guys, just calm down. Everybody calm down. Take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. Let's talk about this thing. He pulls out his sword and cuts off a dude's ear. He's not like, hey, just chill. He's like, Scott! Over. I know we want to read the Bible all reverent, like, yes, and he cut off a man's ear. He cut off a man's ear. The dude, that's a special level of nuts. And Jesus is like, hey, let me pick up that mistake, because that's not what we're supposed to do, Peter. And he puts the ear back on his face. Peter cuts off. Let me tell you what else Peter did, right? Matthew chapter 14, Peter starts walking on the water after Jesus calls him out of the boat, and he starts to sink. Do you know why he starts to sink? He sinks because he doubts. The very one that he spent years of his life with, he now doubts whether he can do what he says he's going to do. Think about that. Then, in Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10, Luke chapter 22, he begins to argue with the disciples, watch this, about the fact that Peter was the greatest disciple. They're sitting around a campfire. Hey, John, you're pretty good. Hey, you're pretty good. You're pretty cool over there. Hey, Judas, you're going to betray him, so I'm way better than you. All this stuff. And he goes, I'm the best. I'm the man. He's arguing with them about pride. I'm the best. I know. Y'all like, this is church? Yes. Praise him. From whom all blessings flow. John, that was ridiculous. John, John, that was stupid. John 13. John 13. Jesus shows up to wash the disciples' feet, and Peter goes, No, nah, we're good. We're not worthy for you to wash our feet. Then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes, Hey, I'm going to go pray. You three, including Peter, stay right here and watch out. Peter falls asleep. They didn't even have mother and thorn in back then. 
He still fell asleep. He comes back. Jesus goes, wake up. Okay. Goes back to sleep. Jesus comes back. Hey, I said wake up. Okay. Goes back to sleep. The third time it was too late. Peter's messing this whole thing up. Then in Matthew chapter 26, three separate times, Peter rejects the knowing Jesus. Doesn't even know who he is. I don't know him. I don't know who that man is. Never heard of him in my life. Then later in the Gospels, you see where he gets overwhelmed and burned out in ministry. And so the one that spent years of his life with the Savior of the universe goes, I'm good. I'm walking away. And he walks out of ministry and leaves apostolic ministry behind. Then in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 12, this one's nuts, and I can't blame him entirely. He walks away from the Gentiles because they're coming to circumcise him to make him like he was, um, uh, like he was supposed to be to be in ministry. And he's like, nah, I ain't, I ain't about that life. He wasn't willing to do what he needed to do to be in ministry. Like, let's, let's break this whole thing down. You see what I'm saying? Peter was crazy. And Peter messed it up. Gregory, where you at? Come on up. Come on up here and help me. I need your, need your help for a minute. He messed it up. He got it wrong. Put that on for me. Cancel culture would look at us and they'd say, hey, you got pride in your life, man. Wear that. <laughs> you burned out. You got tired of ministry like it was a lot. I can't believe you. What are you? Most of us would look at Peter and go, you cut off a dude's ear. You're freaking crazy. No, let's be real. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat stuff anymore. We'd cancel. We'd look at him, and we, we'd look at him and go like this. Hey, you got no commitment to Jesus. You denied the man. You said you went to church, and you did all this stuff. You denied the dude right here. What in the world? Can't do this. Most society, most church, most of us, we go, you ain't worthy of carrying his word. You're not worthy of doing anything. Your past is too nuts. You walked away when it was time to own up to what you needed to do. Who do you think you are? You had so much pride, you thought you were better than anybody else that walked it with you. Your eyes. You can, maybe we look at people and go, you can't even keep your eyes where they're supposed to go. And you say, you, want, you go to church. How dare you? How dare you struggle and have those thoughts? Condemnation looks like this. It cancels us. Makes us wear things in public we don't even want to own up to in private. Makes us walk around and pay a penance for everything we've done wrong. Watch this. But God Loves us right where we are, but way too much to leave us there. And I'm going to show you in a minute. God goes, I, I see the marks. I see you struggling. I see you 
thinking this. I see you doing these things. I see all of that. I still, I still love you. You're still my, my son. You're still my daughter. I love you no matter what. I love in John chapter 21, verses 15 through, we'll go through 18. Or 17, sorry. This conversation with Jesus and Peter begins to take place after all the cancel culture has taken part and all these things have stepped up. Here's, here's what it said. Watch this. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I, I love you. And Jesus said to him, then tend to my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? <laughs> and he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then shepherd, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. Lord, you know I cut off that man's ear. Lord, you know I fell asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, you know I denied you three times. Lord, you know that I argued with the disciples that I was better than any of them. Lord, you know that I did this. Lord, you know that I... Lord, you know all things. You know everything. And you know that I love you. And then Jesus responded with this. Then tend my sheep. Wow. Why? Why did that happen? Because instead of canceling Peter, Jesus installed him to do work. For the kingdom. Watch. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, He made him, Jesus, He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of Him. <laughs> he said, This is literally what God did. He said, Hey, Peter, hey, hey, Gregory, hey, whoever you are, come here. He said, I'll take it. You put that one on. Jesus said, I'll wear it. I'll wear your shortcomings. I'll wear your mistakes. I'll become what you've done so that you can become the righteousness of God. Your past is now on me. Your future is also on me, and I'll redeem you. You don't have to be canceled, because I take it. The pain, the shame, the guilt, the hurt, the frustration, the anger, the sadness, the depression, the anxiety, it ain't on you. It's on Jesus now. He said, I'll become all of that. I'll take it. I'll put it on. 
I'll become all of that. Who knew no sin, I will become that. Thank you. I'll become everything that you never could. Watch what happens. Peter did all those things wrong, but then this happened. In Luke chapter 24 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that Jesus actually appears to Peter before any other disciple when he's resurrected. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? He fell asleep at the garden, Mike. He fell asleep at the garden when he asked him to do something. He said, hey, I'll show up to you first. Wow. In John chapter 21, we just read it. Peter then has a conversation with Jesus where he makes three declarations of his love and commitment to him on the shores of Galilee. In Acts chapter 1, Peter becomes the leader of the disciples. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a message after the Spirit of God falls on him, and 3,000 people get saved in one service, in one sermon. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking to the temple, and they heal a man that had been lame since birth. Throughout the New Testament, Peter preaches and leads churches that change the world. He should have been canceled. He never should have had any more influence. He never should have been trusted again. The dude was a mess up. In my fear is that we're more worried about what people are doing wrong than what God can set right. Because the cancel culture creates in us a perfectionism that is not real, it is not attainable, and it will hold you hostage to your past because if I can't get it right, then I'm never worth anything and I need you to hear me. I don't care if you're addicted to drugs and alcohol or porn. I don't care if you're depressed. I don't care if you're anxious. I don't care if you're addicted to anything else. I need you to hear me today. You are loved. You are cared for. You are anointed. You are appointed. And on the cross, he wore your shame and your guilt because there is therefore now, today, on February the 7th, no condemnation that you have to pay for. There may be worldly circumstances that we have to account for to worldly decisions, but you need to hear me. On a spiritual level, you serve a God that doesn't cancel. You serve a God that installs, and he's got a purpose for you, and he's got a plan for you. And no matter who you are or where you are, how messed up it seems, I promise you he wants to wear your condemnation because that is what my God does. He doesn't define you. It doesn't cancel you. You're redeemed and set free in the love of God today. And here's what I know. There's people in the room that need to start a relationship with God. There's people online that need to start a relationship with God today. Don't let the enemy tell you it's a perfection. Because I'm here to tell you something. If a relationship with God was about perfection, I was disqualified the day I started. It's about a journey. It's about a journey, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he wants you. And then there's people in the room today, hear me, you got to let your past go. We're talking a lot about that next week, too. But you've got to let the guilt and the shame and the frustration go. Own who you were, but own who God set you to be. Would you bow your heads with me right where you are today? we got some people that are going to get prepared to serve you on the way out during this time.
But there's people in the room that need to start a relationship with God. Some of you online are in the same boat. And I'm just here to tell you what Romans 8, chapter 1 says. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. Now. If you're in the room, you know that you've got to give your life to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. What I'm saying is, it's God, you, you sent your son to die for me. That I could have eternal life and eternal relationship with you. that journey if that's you would you join the two hands that went up in the first service today and just raise your hand right where you are so we can give you a bible and walk this out with you because it's not an alone thing it's a family thing amen amen anybody else if you're online you can throw your hand up in your living room you can put the hand up emoji in the chat so that we can see it and get in touch with you church we do things as a family here at Ready 8 we're in this together so I would love for you to just repeat this prayer after me as loud as you can if you don't mind just say dear Jesus I give you my life I give you everything thank you for forgiving me and living for me thank you for the cross forgive me of who I was redeem who I'm going to be. I give you everything and I will walk with you every day. Thank you. Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for one person in the room today? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Life change. Now, I just want to pray with you. Pastor Travis is going to give you about 30 seconds of instruction right after I get done and say amen. But I just want to pray over you because here's what I know. There's people in the room today that have carried condemnation for years. Wait for years. And I need you to know, God's got you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, that you wear our shame and our guilt. And God, it's not a free pass to do whatever we want, but we do promise to journey with you. We do. And God, I thank you that we don't have to be defined by what we've done. We're defined by what you've done. We love you. We honor you. We worship you because of freedom in this room today. In your name, amen. Church, can we stand to our feet and celebrate?